Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. By the way, you can join us during the week, Fox Business Network. The name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. every single day. I've been on vacation. I will return on Tuesday after Labor Day. And here we're going to talk some money in politics with Liz Peake, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore of FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity. His latest book is entitled Govzilla. All right, kids, welcome back. Uh, thank you both for helping out last Saturday. I appreciate it very much. Give me a little, a little, a little time off. It's much appreciated. All right, I want to talk about this um, uh, Joe Biden's speeches. So let me get this right. MAGA Republicans, Republicans are all semi-fascists. They're a threat to democracy. I guess 74 million people, nearly half the country, at least nearly half the voters. Um, they're all a bunch of demons. They're undermining democracy. Liz Peake, I want to ask you what you thought about these speeches. Now, the, the weird thing is, and this is very <laughs> typical of Joe Biden, is he kind of walked it back yesterday answering a question uh, on the fly at a newser. Um, he said, well, I didn't really mean it. So I don't know what he meant. But he did say it, and I want to know what you thought about that, because I would say, like Dan Henniger wrote in the journal, um, no, it's not that we're semi-fascists, it's that you're a socialist. Now, I, I, I would take semi-fascism over socialism if you gave me that Hobson's choice. But what do you think about this, Liz? Well, I, I honestly think this was a big mistake by the president. Whatever likability he had when he ran for president, I think has really dissolved Polling shows us that people think he's more divisive than even his predecessor, more divisive. The country is more divided than it was before he became president. And my point would be this. He ran on healing the country, bringing us together for a reason. The reason is it's popular. People like it. Nobody really likes our politicians just slinging mud at each other. And that's kind of what we descended to now. So he was supposed to be the grown-up in the room, the person who was going to bring civility back into our political world, and boy, has he ever trashed that promise. I mean, I I found it uh, despicable, honestly, and I find myself, and I think probably I'm not alone, more and more really, really disliking this president. Um, You know, and I just can't imagine that that's good for him, his brand, and for Democrats right now, of course, he's sailing out into the country promising to campaign for a lot of Democrats who look to be in hiding. It's not like they really want to campaign with him. Who would? Steve Moore, um, are you a semi-fascist? Are you a semi-socialist? What are you exactly? (laughs) Hi, Larry. Welcome back. Uh, Look, I'm going to correct you on one thing. I I actually think the left is they are fascistic in the old meaning of the term, which is that the government essentially, you know, runs the economy and the government dictates where capital flows. That's what fascism is. And I was just reading an article this morning. I don't know if you saw it about John Podesta. He's yeah. going yeah. uh, you know, yeah. to have power over $330 billion. Yes. Not yes. million. Three hundred and thirty. John Podesta. He's just a political <laughs> hack. He doesn't know anything <laughs> about business. I mean, come on. And the article was made pointing out that the money's going to go to people like um, Tony Podesta. Oh, yeah, his brother. <laughs> I mean, this is really quite outrageous, actually. It used to be called graft, and that's what this is. It's, this isn't about saving the planet. <laughs> Come on, folks. This is about the left, the Democrats, getting money 
to their left-wing unions, their left-wing solar power companies, their left-wing battery companies, to the extent there are any in America. And it's really outrageous. It's going to lead to an incredible misallocation of capital. One of the reasons we're rich, Larry, as you know, is we have the most efficient capital system in the world. You know, we allocate capital to its highest use. Do you think that Podesta is going to do that? <laughs> well, can, can I can I offer something on that? I think it's even more insidious than that. Yes, they're going to fund all kinds of ventures and companies and so forth. But what they've been doing is just creating these huge pockets of money for the transportation right. group, the climate group, and all these, where right. they can go to communities, uh, go to local community activists and say, we want to hire you know, 200 people for our climate civilian corps, which I think is still a real thing, right, that that actually was in one of the yeah, bills, yeah. And, and kind of sprinkle this money around in communities and towns and states where they need help. I mean, it's, it is really a slush fund. The, the Democrats, with the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan and then the $1 trillion, $1.1 trillion infrastructure and then the CHIPS plan and now this new thing, the Inflation Reduction Act, it is, a, I would think, literally they have their hands on, I don't know, half a trillion dollars that they can spend and sort of spew around however they want. And by the way, remember, they voted against having an overseer of this money, mm-hmm. someone who actually was held accountable for it. I think this is an absolute horror, and Steve, you're right. It will lead not only to inefficiencies, but massive corruption. You know, I do, I must say that I know the Podestas. I've known them for, gosh, over 40 years. No, 50 years. <laughs> I mean, when I was a Democrat, I worked in a couple of campaigns in the early 70s. So I know Tony Podesta quite well. I know John Podesta quite well, maybe a little less. Um, I, I, What do I want to say? While I violently disagree with their politics, they're, they're not bad people. They're, in fact, I, I rather like them, <laughs> but they're on the left side of the equation. I just want to say that because they are old friends or old acquaintances or old something. But I want to come back to the to the Biden right, speech. Larry, can I just want to interject one thing? I'm not saying they're bad people. Yeah. I'm just saying that the, John Podesta isn't going to make a good – he no, has no right. idea how to spend $330 billion. I, I, that's I, why we have – you know, these venture capital firms and so on that, that do this kind of thing and, and create the Googles and the Apples and the, you know, Amazons and the companies that, that become, you know, incredibly productive. We've spent $400 billion on solar energy and wind energy over the last 30 years, and they provide 5% of our power. It's yeah. the biggest waste of money in history. Well, I had Mark Mills on earlier, uh, uh, t- to your point. Uh, I just wanted to say that about Podesta's because I don't, uh, I never take my politics uh, on a personal right. level. Yeah. That's all. But I have not in a long time. But um, Steve, I want to ask both of you before we break. These Biden speeches um, might help Trump and might help the Republican Party. That's what a big mistake is to some extent for the reasons that Liz Peake mentioned before. Liz, I mean, it, it may wind up. Uh, helping the GOP. That's how bad those speeches were or how, or how dumb they were. Well, I think that's right. And the only people who are applauding them are really people on the far left. I mean, we've all seen that there's some CNN contributors even who are saying, wait a minute, you know, using the Marine Corps as these 
sort of nutcracker-like figures. Maybe that was Steve's phrase. Somebody, I thought that was brilliant. They looked like little nutcracker figures behind the president, which is inappropriate, uh, and, and the vitriol and so forth. I think whatever pretense this president had of being um, a healer-in-chief, and boy, has that gone out the window. But, but also, it gives the uh, Republicans an opportunity, and boy, I hope they start seizing these opportunities to talk about what really are the threats to our democracy, like suppressing freedom of speech. That seems like a really essential uh, threat to our democracy and something we've never seen before at the level where it is now in America life. The, threat, the, the threats against religious freedom, the threats against uh, free and fair elections when you are stuffing ballot boxes and trying to change the rules so that almost anybody, nobody can use a voter ID and so forth, taking power away from the states. That is a threat to our democracy. We need to be able to articulate the response to this, because right now Democrats are on offense. They're doing it very well, uh, and Republicans are, <laughs> Republicans are right, but we're just not as aggressive in messaging it. I think we need to get out there. Yeah, Steve, did you see the stuff um, uh, Rick Scott trashing Mitch McConnell, oh, calling yeah. him a traitor? Because he's not. No. Oh, yeah. He wrote a column on this. Um, then there was a second, not a column, but a report in Breitbart. Uh, you know, Scott said, well, why are these Republican leaders trashing Republican candidates? Right. And, and he's talking directly to Mitch. And, yeah. and, you know, Mitch has been bad mouthing a lot of the, yeah. the, the Trumpsters, you know, uh, in yeah, Ohio, yeah. J.D. Right. Vance and Blake Masters in Arizona. Um, I interviewed both of those guys, by the way. I, I thought they're pretty good. I thought Blake Masters was particularly good, um, but I thought uh, J.D. was fine. In other words, it's an odd story to, you know, Liz is saying, why don't you know, Republicans need to be smarter about these things. We should go on the offense. I mean, I had John McLaughlin on the program earlier. Um, his own poll now shows 45-45. Rasmussen reports shows a five-point lead for GOP. But Republicans aren't being smart. They're not emphasizing these Biden issues that are so unpopular. Well, I didn't like, I mean, I, I like Mitch McConnell. I think he's been a good minority leader. But I, I, did, I agree with Rick Scott that you don't, you know, if you're trying to win a football game, you don't, you know, go to the press and say, I, we may win, but boy, do I have a terrible number of players on my team. Right. Um, and so right. that was really a, a, a gaffe. And I think, uh, I don't know if he should have, Rick Scott should have publicly chastised him, but no more. <laughs> I mean, listen, we're all on the same team. And you know, look, some of these candidates are fine candidates. Maybe some of them aren't the, the best we could have chosen. But uh, I, I still think you're looking at a, at a red wave election. And mm -hmm. The problem right now, as I see it, is you do, you really have three parties right now. You have the Democratic Party, which is a minority party, in my opinion. You have the pro-Trump Republican Party, and then you have the anti-Trump Republican Party. And mm -hmm. the key for Republicans to win is to, uh, you know, make sure those two groups don't, you know, fight against each other to the benefit of Biden and Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, and, and by the way, can I just add something? Dr. Oz, for example, Mehmet Oz, who I've met and I think is a terrific guy, he may not be the perfect choice for this role, but look at Fetterman. Let's talk about the other guy, right, in these races. I mean, holy crow. He's a crazy person. He's a crazy person. all wound up about how terrible our candidates are. No, they're not. They're people who are trying to run for office against terrible candidates. 
Raphael Warnock? That's someone we're going to decide is better than Herschel Walker? Give me a break. I mean, this is not that hard a case to make. Yeah, I mean, I would just add to that. I think you're exactly right that the Democrats, I mean, look, how hard is it to run against the Democrats? Every one of them has voted for every single policy that Biden has put in place that is bankrupting our country. I mean, you're right right about Warnock. You're right about uh, the candidate, the Democrat in um, Nevada, the Democrat in New Hampshire, the Democrat in Arizona. I mean, how do you stand up there and say, I voted for $4 trillion of spending in debt? Yes. Well, Fetterman, Fetterman's a crazy person. I mean, he's so far left. Uh, Alex Priate sent me a thing. Uh, Fetterman has come out for legalizing heroin. Okay, how's that? That's a terrific idea. And by the way, speaking of Mehmet Oz, I think Mehmet Oz has redeemed his crudite uh, because he saved a guy in the Metroliner. Yeah. Did you read that story? Yeah, that seems more important than, than using a high fluting word for vegetable, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and by the way, banning fracking, which is what Fetterman wants to do in a state yeah. that has benefited enormously by it, that seems more important to me than using the word crudite. Yeah, I mean, no. we're, getting tr- we're trivializing these candidates in these elections, and this is not the time to do that. And boy, it's not the time for Republicans to eat their own. I just I find it really offensive. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, Liz Peak, Fox News contributor, Steve Moore, Freedom Works Committee to Unleash Prosperity. I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll be right back. Talking money and politics with Liz Peak, Fox News contributor, and Steve Moore, Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Um, Liz, you wrote a good column. Uh, Biden's student loan handout makes it official. Democrats have given up on middle America. And I want to add to it. I had uh, Phil Graham on, Senator Phil Graham on at the top of the show. And uh, he wrote a great op-ed piece. I've got a whole book coming out. How This is so interesting. All the great society plus type subsidies uh, and transfer payments to the bottom 20% and actually the bottom 40% have essentially stopped them from working. Mm-hmm. And that their, their participation rates, I mean, here's a stat for you. In the bottom 20% quintile, the participate, labor force participation rate has dropped in the last 35, 40 years from 68% to 36%. And that when you include the subsidies and taxes, their median incomes have grown so much that it's almost the same as the middle quintile. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the middle quintile has not gained at all when you include subsidies and taxes. We've we've equalized, essentially, um, the bottom 60%. We've equalized them. Mm -hmm. So the idea of we're paying them not to work is annoying and angering the very middle class you're writing about. So it's student loans, it's food stamps, it's housing subsidies, uh, and uh, it's health care and so forth. So this is a big political issue. There's a resentment growing, and they voted for Trump in 2016. And I wonder, I think that resentment is going to continue. Well, I think that's right. And every time there's a new handout, and and this one in particular was so egregious and so Mm -hmm. wrongheaded uh, in that you're giving money to people whose lifetime earnings are going to be way above the national average. And, by the way, who signed up voluntarily and took on this debt. I mean, I've heard very little uh, talk about moral 
hazard and the fact that, you know, this completely sort of undermines whatever sense of commitment, particularly young people feel when they when they do take on loans. And that that is not a good thing. But I, I think that this um, this particular bill, this particular handout to, uh, you know, to people with uh, college debt was a very bad idea. It, you know, it isn't that long ago that Democrats lost an election, 2016, because they lost uh, states where Hillary Clinton took for granted the votes of blue-collar America. And Democrats, for those first couple of years, really seemed eager to win back those votes. I think now they've just given up totally. But by the way, on this labor thing, there's a, uh, also a piece by Nicholas Eberstadt in the Wall Street Journal about there's people basically not working. And I, I do think it's a tremendous problem for our country. And Steve, the um, middle class we're talking about that is resentful of all these folks getting paid not to work includes Hispanics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. a big group. And again, that could be an election decider. Yeah, Hispanics have one of the highest labor force participation right. rates. So <laughs> Hispanics come into the country and they work, 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 work. Uh, it's it's not so un-American what we've done in the last 40 or 50 years. This is a land of opportunity. It's a land where you are pay, you are um, paid to work and, and we re- reward people for working. And we are now you know, rewarding people for not working. And that's a really, and and you've made this point a hundred times and it's so right. It's not just good for the country. It's good for, it's terrible when someone gets up in the morning and collects a welfare check. I mean, you're not doing any people who, people who work are substantially happier than people who don't work. Did you know that? Yep. That's the Arthur Brooks argument going back a ways. It's a powerful, powerful argument but on the political so, side so of this doing, so we're not doing a favor to people by keeping them out of the workforce i mean everybody needs to have a have a reason to exist you know to participate and to be productive and that that gives you a sense of self-worth so it wasn't it's not just the increases in um, unemployment assistance it's all these programs yes and the bidens have lined up to expand all these programs. And the Bidens have also lined up, Steve, to prevent workfare from being reestablished. In other words, they continue to break. It did work with welfare, but they are continuing to break that link between work and federal assistance. And I don't know why Republicans don't make more of this. Work, workfare, it's, it's demoralizing to see that you have to pay the college tuition loan for an upper-class person. Or you see in the papers how much money is going to the bottom 20 or the bottom 40%, and you're not making any more money. Really, the gap is narrowed so much, you're hardly making any more money than the lower-income subsidized classes are making. Yeah, you know, on the student lo- on the student loan issue, pe- people don't just they're not just opposed to it; they're angry about it. Right. People are quite angry. I mean, they hate this policy that this you know this kid who who went six years to college and what was the uh, John Belushi line seven seven good years of college down the drain. Uh, <laughs> but you know, all, all of these kids have been kind of pampered. They they went. To, you know, a lot of people are paying their loans back. They went to Stanford. They went to Duke. They went yeah. to Northwestern. And and they're. <laughs> Some of them 
Larry, are making $100,000 a year in income, and they're not paying their loans back. Mm -hmm. So, Liz, (laughs) this should be a GOP issue. Yeah. Like so many issues. In other words, Republicans, you've got a couple months left, and I don't see them going on the offensive on all of these issues that we talked about, and I don't get it. I don't you know understand what? it. I think, I think a lot of people are afraid, Larry. They're afraid that they're going to be called out as racist if they talk about uh, people on the dole and so forth. Remember, I mean, you have to go back to Reagan era when all of a sudden it became true that more than half the country was taking more from the government than paying in. Do you remember mm, that? Yes. And it was like a tremendous tipping point. When Romney brought that up, he was eviscerated for it. People thought it was the most horrible racist, uh, demeaning thing he could possibly say. Remember? I mean, that was literally what he said. And now I think Republicans are scared to say, hey, no, it's it's not right that so few people are contributing and so many are taking. But mm. that's where we have come to. And it's not it's not sustainable. You talk about sustainability. This is the most unsustainable thing there is. And Steve, last one for you. I know this is your fave. No more gas cars, gas-powered oh, cars. But wait, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. For those of you that own electric vehicles, you're not allowed to recharge them. No more electricity for recharging. California, yeah. the new utopia. We want electric cars, but we won't let you charge them. You have a quick thought on that? 30 seconds? Yeah, I'm in California right now. People can't recharge their cars. And they're telling people you can't set your thermostat uh, below 78 degrees, and it's 98 degrees here. Oh, God. That's the future. You're both wonderful. You're both going to help me. We're going to do a special uh, Fox Nation show on the unauthorized uh, version, unauthorized history of socialism. You're all going to be part of that. Steve Moore and Liz Peake, thank you. I'm Kudlow, folks. It's been great. We will be back next weekend. Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.